If you're not aware already, every episode that I do is like a mystery box, even for me as the creator. We're always unpacking something, but the best part is we're unpacking it together. Let's tune in. Welcome to Invisible Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Elam. I'm letting you know up front, on this podcast, you're going to have to agree to disagree while living confidently and tuning in with us. <laughs> I'll share conversations many of us have in our mind, but truly fear speaking out loud. I like to keep it real, so our guests have no names, no addresses, no titles, just the details of their journey. And most of their journeys were out of their hands. On our talk today, we'll grant them freedom to express their mind, while also giving them the freedom of expression and freedom from perfection. Remember, there's two sides to every coin. Tune in with us and you won't get stuck on one. Woohoo! Season five, we are here. We are here, y'all. And I'm really excited for our next guest. I have no idea ever where things go, but I know why I select who I select. And for our next guest, she has displayed strength in the hand of God over her life, her whole life. And I have no idea really what that looks like. So I have taken this season to be intentional with bringing on guests that I want to get to know more and am intrigued by their journey. So let's jump right into it because I want to put a mirror up for our guest today. So I'm going to read this post from IG and I will allow her to respond with whatever's on her heart and we'll go from there. So the post reads, what if you're on your healing journey and it wasn't just six months of in the gym and reading more? What if it was X amount of years and everything falling apart? You were rediscovering your faith and learning to trust God with an identity and trying to figure out what family and culture expectations look like. We want everything to be cute for social media and make it so worthy. But what happens when the process can't be photographed and the pain is so deep that it can't be written about on Facebook and can't be put into a Facebook status? What does that look like? I believe that it will look like someone that I don't know. I believe that it will. I will be... What God actually called me to be, not like living in his promiscuous will, but his actual will. I don't think that I would have had the same mistakes that I had. I don't think that I would have dealt with the issues that I dealt with if if I was that, if I was what God, what I know God wants me to be. Where are some areas where God showed up and no one knows about it? He literally put a flashlight on your heart and said, here, right here. Actually, I had a moment yesterday where... When I was at work, I got written up. I know that's probably like a bad thing, but it was, I didn't, this is my first time ever in my life getting written up from any job that I have ever um, been in. But it was like that write up was like a, a moment where God flashed a light and was like, do you trust me? It's going to be okay. I heard so strongly because this is a job that is challenging. And it's also a job that I've thought about several times quitting. And I heard him say, do you trust me? I heard him say that I'm still in control of it. I also heard him say that your assignment is not over. 
that it's going to be okay. And so for me, of course, it's something that should have been bad, right? But it was so much reassurance that it's going to be okay. And I didn't even take it. Like when I was in the office talking to my supervisor about it, I was just like, okay, cool. (laughs) I trust God, you know, I understood to a certain extent what she was saying, but then I still don't. But I know that it's to strengthen me to deal with difficulties. And even this morning when I was in prayer, Lord, help me to deal with my emotions when I'm hurting. Help me to deal with when things doesn't make sense, when I'm frustrated. And this is what it means to like really trust him. Yeah. So God told me in that moment to trust him. I haven't really shared about like, I didn't even really tell my husband about it because I'm like still trying to like process it. But yeah, he just said, trust me and it's going to be okay. So what does that I've often talked about this concept of hearing God and being obedient. And I believe God communicates with all of us. And it looks different because we're all uniquely his children, just like all six of mine. We all have different ways of how we communicate before we even like talk about a healing journey. There has to be a relationship with someone who can heal you. (laughs) Right. What did your journey look like getting to this point where obviously you're continuing, as you said, to trust him, but get to a point where you're like, your ears are open to even hear him? I think right now in my life, I'm the closest I've ever been to him. My my relationship with him is it's better than how, what it has ever been. So how I got here, it wasn't because I wanted to. <laughs> like, it really wasn't because I wanted, I didn't want this. <laughs> I did it. And so it was one of those things where like he had to force his hand to be like, trust me. And so I grew up, you know, in church, like when I left Chicago and I moved to Galesburg, like I had a church home, but like, I just kind of felt like it was so much rules and stuff. And I'm just like, I kind of want to live my life. You know what I'm saying? I want to do whatever I want to do. And it's like, is it so bad? And so I didn't also too, I've been a person that I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like I already <laughs> I already know in my mind, I already know what you're going to say, but let me just finish this first. And I kept saying it to okay, let me just get this out of my system and then I'll come. And it was to a point to where I want to say it was like my sophomore year in college. That was like the first time I ever tried to commit suicide. And I went to a psych unit and I was there for about seven, I think it was like seven to eight days. That's when I like, that was 2015. That's when I realized like something has to give and that I wanted better for myself. And I knew that God was calling me for it, but I honestly was scared of it. I felt like, how am I supposed to preach to people I used to kick it with? You know, how am I supposed to say that this is true when sometimes I even struggle to believe that it's true for me. I also struggle with the fact of, you know, being sexually abused for as long as that was. It's like the rejection that I got for speaking up about it. And then it's like the neglect that I felt that I got from, you know, family. And I'm just like, well, God, this is the first time I ever spoke up about something that's true. And then the first time I ever spoke up about it, it's like, okay, I get reprimanded about something or I get called a liar or I get called, I wish I was never born. So it was just like, 
this math is not math. And Lord, you said that I trust you. This is, and I did. And just since then, I didn't care. I didn't want to hear what he had to say. I was mad at him for a very long time because in my mind, why, you know, why did this happen to me? That doesn't make sense. And then it's like, the more and more I keep going through the healing journey, I feel like I thought for me, I thought the healing journey was honestly going to be cute. And it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I thought like, you know, you'd be good. No, it's like every time I keep going, I realize there's another level that I still have to tap into. You know, there's another part of me that's still unhealed. There's another part. Like I had a therapy session yesterday and she definitely came from my edges. I'm just like, I didn't even realize that's what it was. And it's like, I'm thinking that I'm okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking that I'm fine. But then to realize that I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I have no idea what the hell is happening. Anyway, so get into the story. So the reason that when I really started taking myself serious is when me and my husband, we were just dating. I wanted to like really seriously give my life away to God. And I couldn't remember what led up to that point, but I do remember having that conversation to the point where like we stopped having sexual intercourse. I think at that time we were like living together and I was like, no, like, you know, you need to go and move out on your own. Like I just, in my mind, I'm like, if I can at least make this relationship as pure as I can, right? Because all the other relationships that I had was not pure, but if I can at least bring in the marriage that I at least wanted to be for the rest of my life here, I thought everything was going to be okay, you know? And of course it wasn't that what I expected, but as I'm growing and learning me, I understand why it happened the way it happened. And I understand why God took the route or why I took the route that I went, but it still worked together for the good. But I'm at a space now where like, I can't, I know that there's more to my life. I just really, sometimes it's even hard for me to believe that it is, to be honest with you. But I didn't get this far with it. Like, it was God. And I'll tell anybody, like, I don't even know how I made it. <laughs> Some of the spaces that I came from. But I just trusted him. Like, it didn't make sense. Like, I just trusted him. And I just want to be obedient to what he says. Because as I continue to grow, it's like I the safest place to be is in his will. And I don't want to be out of it. I just know, like, I just, I don't, I don't want to be out of it. Because I was out of it for a while. And I don't want to be anymore. I don't know what really led to it. It's just sort of more so of, I want it better. I think that's what it was. I kept saying to myself, like, it has to be more to life than this. It just has to. That's, you You said a lot. You said a lot of gems in like the most, one of the things I just, I, I pull for people to understand is that this connecting point that we've, someone's been where you've walked and that you're not alone. And you talked about the suicide attempt in 2015 and being in the psych ward. What was that journey like? Were you already, this was pre-commitment to Jesus, correct? So what was that process like in going to like the depth of darkness? What pushed you there to say, you know what, I'm done? I believe that like around that time, I was still trying to, I feel like I was going through this like identity crisis. I was trying to venture off. This is my first time like completely being like away from my norm and realizing what I, what my norm was, was not the best. Like, you know, it was toxic and stuff. And so trying to find this new normal and I just felt like I, I couldn't, I felt like I'm in over my head. 
I was also going through a really bad breakup with my like high school sweetheart. So it was just like really branching off into like womanhood to the point where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. Like, I don't know any of that. And so my mind is, let me just end it all because I don't want to face it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the reality of everything. I have a trouble accepting a lot of things, accepting that this is what it's going to be, you know, and that this is the way it is, or this person is the way it is. And so I think I was just over life. And then also too, I was, I didn't have the support that I thought I wanted from my, my mom and my aunts and all of that. It's just, was like, figure it out on your own, you know? And I I was, I I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew, let me go off and not be around them. And I was just in a space where like, I couldn't, I was in a space where I feel like I had to like deal with my issues and I wasn't ready to. So I just drank it up or just like, you know what, it's just, I don't want to be here because why do, why be here and be successful, right? And get to a place where I can't share it with anybody. That's the thoughts that were happening in my mind. I don't know. I think all of that in itself just kind of hit me and I was just like, I'm done. What brought you to the other side where there is a piece of hope, there's sunshine and yes, this is a moment to the piece that you just described at the beginning of this when you said, you know, I got wrote up, but I heard God say that he's here and trust him. So when I went to the psych ward, there was a lot of different people there. (laughs) 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 And when I say different, like they came from two family households. Some came from a single mother. Some came, got everything that they wanted. They just got into some things when they were bad. There was even a doctor, a physician that was like there. And so what made me realize is that, you know, we all go through things and it's it's okay. But the strength really lies in actually dealing with it, actually dealing with your issues and facing you and being okay with the fact that you made mistakes, but not allowing those mistakes to dictate your future. So that peace came from looking at everybody else's life, being in there, making friends that I'm still friends with to this day, just realizing that there's more to life, realizing that, you know, I was placed on earth for a purpose, just getting that reinsurance from those people that were there with me and realizing that it's okay. Like that was the first time, like I really honestly understood what was introduced to like mental health disorder and realizing that like, again, like we all kind of go through it and dealing with what I was dealing with. It's common that (laughs) you're going to have some issues if you don't know how to deal with it. So I felt like a new sense of normalcy that, okay, so I'm not crazy. I'm not weird. I'm not dramatic or I'm not attention seeking. Like I'm just hurting in places where I don't know why I'm hurting and I'm bleeding over everything. And I don't know why just I'm just hurting. And sometimes when I hurt, I don't really know what it's coming from. It's just a sense of hurt. You just said some good stuff. Oh, I hope everyone is like really listening to what you're saying, because I I hear the concept of this is not 
a flesh and flesh battle. It's a spiritual battle. And I think about when I lost my mind last year, last February, how I was in this space for at least a month that I was like, okay, God, where were you? God, what was that? And he slowly walked me through this journey of breaking down who he is and still being a good father and what it looks like to be delivered and what it looks like to have confidence in that deliver that deliverance. So it really took me for a loop. And it also made me question which God took me through a journey with. So I'm interested on, on your take because you're still in therapy this battle between God versus therapy, because I hear a verse, then I hear a and when I hear about believers talking about this concept of going to therapy and believing in God. I don't hear often that people are a I believe in God and I go to therapy. I hear more believers say I believe in God. So I don't. What's the point of therapy? So what's your take on that concept? I'll say this, that I was also one of those people, too, that say, well, all I need to do is believe in God. I don't need therapy until I realize the difference between the two. And so my take on it is the Bible, you know, helps believers in the spiritual realm. But sometimes you do need help with your flesh. I know that the Bible tells us, you know, to kill our flesh daily. But how can you kill something that you don't want to face? How can you deal with something that you're unaware of what's happening to you? And a lot of times I feel like we take spiritual over practical. Some things are not always a spiritual battle. Some things are practical. But when it comes to therapy, you have to give language to what happened to you. You have to give language to, you know, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. You have to address it. And so I believe that you believe in God and then you also understand therapy. My therapist, she is a believer in God. So not only when we're in therapy sessions, we talk about the clinical aspects of it, right? Because if you're dealing with, for me, I'm dealing with sexual abuse. I'm dealing with the neglect and the abandonment. Those are serious issues that a lot of times, and I'm not saying that prayer doesn't work, but sometimes you need a little bit more than prayer. You need to be, how do I actually navigate through this on a practical level when I don't feel like praying, when I don't feel like giving it to him? So when we're in our therapy sessions, we do tie it into biblical because it all intertwines with each other. It does. But sometimes you do need that support clinically to help you understand what's happened in your mind. And then you also add in, okay, God, what does this mean? And there's times for me where I am in therapy. Okay. I know what scripture you're talking about. That makes sense. And let me apply it to my life because the word also tells us to divide it correctly. You have to rightly divide it. So I'm not saying that you take everything that's from therapy, but you do rightly divide it into, okay, God, what does this mean? It's all intertwined with each other. A book that really helped me, it's called The Guarding Within and it's by Dr. Anita Phillips. And it helped understand it, what God means about biology, you know, the, the study of the body and all that compared to scripture, that our body is a garden and we have to water our garden and we can't necessarily do that if we don't understand scripture. And sometimes we use scripture out of context. So like not only just reading the Bible, you have to understand what it actually means. But if you don't understand how it actually means, just like with your emotions, you don't understand what it means. How can you fight it? How can you deal with it? It's like you're fighting handicapped. 
So yes, fight in the spiritual realm, but sometimes you do need some practical things to fight as well. And sometimes the practical things is, okay, I just need to go to sleep. I need some laughter time. It doesn't always have to be, okay, God, let me go out and, you know, let me pray about it. It's a lot of things. It's like, okay, I'm having a moment. I'm trying to process how I feel. It's hurting me. Okay, let me do something to help myself feel better. So that's my take on it. Yeah, that's good. It I think of glory to glory. When I think of my walk with God, there was at one point where I would go through a battle and it was all up. There was no fasting. There was no reading. There was no prayer. It was God helped me hold on to this string so that I could get to the next level. And as he built my strength and built my faith and I started to read more than it would, I would constantly grow. And so I hear this journey of getting to know God and trusting him because I went to my first therapy session and I was just like, oh, this is going to be a long time. Then I think I was probably six months in and I was like, God, what am I going here for? I feel like I'm helping more of my therapist than he's helping me. And it, God was like, it's not that you didn't need the help. You just need to process out loud. You just need this this space that is unbiased, that is untouched to your personal life where you can process what you're experiencing. And it was a game changer because then I took that practical that task right there and I took it into prayer. So I removed my therapist, not because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, but he had served his purpose and God had given me the tool and what to do next. So that was really good. It makes me, you talked about um, rejection and abandonment and I definitely got delivered from those, those same spirits and know the impact. And a lot of the impact was invisible to me and more visible to those around me when I look back and you said um, something about speaking up and it just really made me think, the depths of what it costs one to speak up with truth. What do you believe that speaking up cost you? And what were some of the benefits to that? In that moment when I spoke up specifically about the abuse, I felt like it cost me relationships. It cost, it caused pain, let's say that. But I think it, it cost relationships. It cost like not going back to the old way of how things were going. And it cost my mom, you know, her relationship. But I also felt like it exposed what it needs to expose. I'm thinking of scripture when it says like we have to expose the enemy. I think it just kind of shed light on some things that were happening, honestly. And even having the conversation and even speaking up, it was like a sense of relief. But I personally don't. Well, now that I'm at the age that I am now, I don't think the cost was too too much because I'm living in truth. And I'm going to stand on that regardless of anybody wants to believe it or not. It affected me. It affected the way, you know, I lived for a very long time and I'm not bound anymore. I don't have to hide in it. And so at first I did, you know, I hid in it. I, but now it's like, whatever. (laughs) So let's give some meat to those who are listening because I have a little bit, but they have no context to that. What was it that what was your traumatic event to to the extent of what you want to share to give people perspective on what you experienced? So the father figure that I thought, well, let me say like this only father figure that I've known was the father figure who sexually abused me over and over and over again at the age of seven to 17 years old. When I finally 
got to a place to speak on it, it wasn't no one believed me. And the one thing that they kept saying, the reason why they didn't is like, well, you didn't act any different around him. And it's like, well, and I think the one reason why it really hurt is because I didn't say nothing for so many years because I felt like I was protecting my mother. Because even though I didn't understand what was happening, I just understood what it would have done to her. And so I didn't say anything. And I just dealt with it. You know, I dealt with this is what it is. I was always protective of my younger siblings. I was like, don't touch them. Don't do that. So I, I just took it on as it was my responsibility. I didn't understand it because... Here it is, this father figure, the one I just now realized who my real father was probably about five years ago. This father figure that I'm looking up to as my father is abusing me, right? Then you have a mother that is not really present. So it's like you don't really have a relationship with her to explain like, hey, this is happening. And then it's like, I'm trying to process why this is happening. Try to understand, okay, am I the only one, you know what I'm saying, that he's doing it to. And then to have the space where I'm like, I'm okay, I'm just going to tell the truth because she says like, you know, to tell the truth to her. And when I finally did, you hate me. You wish I was never born. I ruined your life. And it's like, all I did was tell the truth about what was happening to me to the point of it is like he confessed and admitted it. And it's like, are we just going to ignore that, you know, that he confessed to doing this, that he admitted that he did do this. It was to me, it was like, there's no more explaining or anything. And it's like the response to this day is like, oh, well, I don't know who to believe. Okay. So I just dealt with it and I didn't understand it. It's sickening now when I think about it sometimes, you know, just of the years of it, it just happened and I just didn't say anything, but I didn't have a space to, because again, this is a trusted adult that groomed me and I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is okay. I didn't realize that it was wrong, really, if we're going to be real about it. I didn't realize it was wrong until I had went to the Boys and Girls Club and we were talking about abuse and everything and stuff. And I'm like sitting there quiet because again, it's actively happening to me. And I thank God for those staff members that was there that pulled me to the side and noticed like me shutting down. And I explained to them what was happening and I never exposed to them who the name was. It just kept naming names. And then when his name came up, I was quiet. And one of them said, I knew it. And they made the call, you know, so really I didn't, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would ever honestly would have spoke up to said anything about it. They spoke up for me. They, the ones who called it in. And um, I'm thankful for that. It's even to the point to where when we got called down to the investigator office, I lied the first time. And so the lady that was doing the interview was like, you know, I know when people are lying, sweetheart, it's okay. And I broke down because that was the first time somebody said that it's okay to say something. And I said it and I felt so good to say it because it's like, I felt like I was just holding this for so long. And it was like, I dread going home. Home has never been safe for me. The first time ever in my life right now, home has been safe and I'm 29. So that's been a long time. Home has never been safe for me. I always ran the streets because the streets were safer to me. (laughs) They were my home. I always connected with people outside of my family because they were my safe place. Now we have a relationship. I don't have a relationship with the my stepdad, but I have a, a new relationship with my mom. We see each other 
And again, I think uh, the one thing that just still stinks to this day is because again, like I felt like I was protecting her and I did anything for her. Like if she was anywhere right now, I still do everything for her. That's my mom, you know? It just hurt. It hurt from a different place. And it's like, out of all your children, like I literally am the one that go to bat for you. And I still do to this day. It just hurt. Have you all ever did counseling together? Or like, how did you all move forward with such a painful experience? Um, we have never did counseling, but it was me. I want to say it was my last year when I was getting my bachelor's in social work. And I realize and understand that like, you know, trauma repeats trauma. That's when I started understanding like generational curses. I know that she had exposed to me that she was also abused as well by somebody in, you know, in the family as well. So it just, girl, yes. So it trickled down. And so like, for me, it's like looking from the professional lens I couldn't blame her no more. And also learning too, my therapist shook me when she said this, when you've been abused, your children are likely to be abused because when you've been abused, it's like your, she called it like your, your alerts go down, if that makes sense. To the point where like, sometimes you may be over-exaggerating or you feel like you're over-exaggerating or you're reading to things. So you're more, your children are more likely to be abused. So I realized that it trickled down and it wasn't necessarily her fault. But what I, what I couldn't really process is like, okay, if this happened to you, why were you so quick to condemn me about it? But then I got the revelation of it could have been shameful embarrassment that this happened to my child and I didn't protect her. It could have been like, wow, this man was living in my house, all these things. And so I had to get to a place where I really had to forgive her because I know one day that I am going to have children. And I know that sometimes like the family could be disconnected and I didn't want that to happen. So I'm like, I have to find a way to create a new relationship with her. Yes, she wasn't there for me the way I needed you to be as my mother, but at least we can create a new normal for my adult life. I needed you to be there for that little girl. The little girl has grown up now, but I do need you in another way because now I'm adult about to enter to motherhood as well. She wasn't always bad. She taught me how to be independent. She taught me how to get out here and figure it out. And I love her for that. I had to really forgive her and let her let it go. We did talk about it and she did apologize for it. But I mean, what can you really say, you know? And then also too, I know she's getting older. She, her health is declining, not completely bad, but she's an alcoholic. She has her issues that I see. So therapy to her is like, what is that? Because she just suppressed it all these years. And then having, you know, my brother at 16 and have me at 20, it's like, you have to, you had to figure it out with not a high school education. She doesn't have a high school education. She only has a, a 11th grade education. So you have to feed for yourself. And I'm at a space where I know the beginning of our my life with you wasn't great, but at least until the day that you're gone, we can at least live in happiness, you know? So it was me <laughs> that had to get into a space to allow her to be in my life. Like she was just over here last week up and through the house. <laughs> So <laughs> demanding things, but like, I always, I mean, not that I never loved my mom. It's like, I always loved her. I always admired her as a woman. I loved her sharpness. You know what I'm saying? I loved how she can just figure it out without a degree. I love that about her. She's just broken. 
That makes me think of the definition of real love. Because when you look in first, I think it's first Corinthians and we examine what the word says about love. Love is all of these things. And my revelation to long suffering when it comes to someone you love is you're suffering so that they get better. And so for me to strip myself and to find somewhere in my heart to allow God to patch it up and allow me to move forward with real joy and real love and real patience, that concepts gives the other person the freedom to actually be healed and to see God in the situation. So healing, this has been a journey in my life, the concept of healing and what it looks like. And I believe a lot of people are seeking and looking for what it looks like to be healed from all aspects. Your big is my small, my small is your big. And so before we close out, I just want you to share a few points that you would encourage those listening to do when they're going on their healing journey. Like what's crucial to get into a point where I can be at peace and I can walk this journey knowing that I did all that I could do. One of the big things that I'm learning is I'm not responsible for how someone else feels about me wanting to grow. I'm not responsible for their issues that they make mine. Is this my issue to deal with? Sometimes is it, it most of the time it isn't, but it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not. If you're looking for pretty, you might want to delay that a little bit because it's not pretty. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. It's a whole different hurt. Not hurt as if you can't get better, but a whole different hurt. Like I'm going to hurt you, but then I'm also going to love you. It's a whole different hurt. It's painful, but it's worth it. It's worth finding you. It's worth knowing what you can do, but it hurts. And one of the quotes (laughs) that I live by now is like, if it didn't really hurt you, it might not be your healing. It might just something that you're trying to make it, it might be something that you're trying to put together as this pretty little healing. If it didn't hurt you, it didn't heal you. But yeah, if it didn't hurt you, it didn't heal you because this hurts. It's a whole nother level and take your time with it. Like I know that we live in this like fast paced society that tells you you have six months, you need 12. It might take you longer. It took me longer and I'm still in it because it's deep. You know, it's not a, we talk about this on Monday and I'm fine by Wednesday. It's, we talked about it Monday. It re, it came up again on Wednesday. Now I'm back to square one. Don't feel ashamed about that because it's, you're relearning how to feel feelings that you suppressed your whole entire life. Do the journey. You, you suppressed your feelings. You suppressed, run into whatever coping skill that you were using that was toxic. You're running to them. Now you don't have any of that. And now it's taking you time to process it because you really actually just started to process it. Take your time. That's good. I could visually see someone getting stitches because to get healed, you're getting those stitches. There's still a process in pain or thinking of the concept. You go through the surgery, you get heart surgery, you get lung surgery, leg surgery, any type of surgery, a C-section. You get these surgeries in the recovery process to strengthen the muscles that were cut, to strengthen what was lost in the process. There's still a strain of like getting back there. And some people never feel 100% back to themselves. They have to figure out how to regain, regain the peace that's missing. So that was really, that was really powerful. I think it's so important for us as human beings to understand that at some point we went through a loss. 
there is a heart that has so many beautiful flowers that have bloomed and there are some flowers in that heart that have died and the spaces in which that are empty. I think it's so important for us to do our due diligence and do the work of filling it, filling it with healing so that God can replace it and plant seeds for flowers to grow back. And that, that's the goal. Always and forever. So as we continue to do what we do best here, get another side, hear another perspective, we want to encourage you all to do the work. Because if you don't do the work, you're essentially walking around here as a ghost. You're living in a space where it's not a truth. And we want to encourage you to live your truth so that you can live the life that you were supposed to live. So little baby's going to close us out on this one. Until next time. Whatever God want me to go through, let's do it. Do it chin up, chest out. If my head drop for a minute, don't mind me. I'm going to pick that motherfucker back up. It is what it is. That's all we've got for today's episode here at Podcast Town Studio. These stories, they connect us. The ultimate question, what was the journey like to freedom? Wait, freedom is agreeing to disagree, different perspectives, healing from within, all because life and legacy are complex. We see people everywhere, but do we really see them? Their thoughts, griefs, pain, or struggles? To be strong is to heal. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he will help you catch your breath. Remember to breathe. You're stronger than you think. Make sure you stay connected by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Invisible Talks Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Tyra Elam.